make sure you check in on the people that you even have an inkling that you're worried about. Yeah. And I have always, that's always been something that's stuck with me. Yeah. And I do that. Even if it's just a text or a meme or some small kind of communication, it's so important to, to that person to let them know there's other people thinking about them. Mm -hmm. It's a lot, isn't it? Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of It's A Lot with Abby Chatfield. You know that because my name is in the title and also on the podcast group and also on my Instagram. I'm really doing a lot of um, impromptu uh, songs lately. I don't know if it's because I'm in isolation. I am really leaning into my true self and my love of musical theatre that I didn't know existed. Wow. Um, so today I have Phoebe Parsons back on. Phoebe was on um, episode two, I believe. Um, there's only been eight episodes and I'm like, God, it's been so many. Um, and she spoke about her eating disorder, but I also listened to an episode of her podcast called Confessions of a Trainwreck. And it was an episode about her struggle with anxiety and depression. And listening to that was really great. So if you want to have more of Phoebe's view on stuff, listen to that episode. It was amazing. Um, And I thought we could speak about that because it helped me a lot um, as someone who considers themselves quite versed in uh, mental health um, going through it myself. So before we get into anything, uh, just a trigger warning, uh, the suicide is spoken about, um, attempted suicide. And um, mental health issues, obviously, we use humour as a coping mechanism and a deflection uh, to talk about mental health. So if that triggers you or if that um, upsets you, please turn off now um, because it is something that is necessary in both myself and Phoebe speaking about this because it's just the type of gals we are, you know. Our therapists haven't gone that deep quite yet. Um this was also recorded a little while ago, as always, a few weeks ago. COVID's changed a lot. So you can always count on me to have your out-of-date COVID stats. I think this is when uh, New York and America were getting pretty bad. Now they're beyond awful. Uh, a friend of mine in America actually had coronavirus and he was really sick. Um, but he's better now. He's like one of the healthiest people that I know and he was really ill. So it is scary. Everyone stay safe. Stay in that ISO moment. Um, Yeah. Uh, What else is there? I've written all these down. I've also decided to stop editing as much because I used to edit out all of my ums and ahs. But now I I just want to be authentic. Oh, there's a... (laughs) There's a meme that I talk about and I play the meme and it's so funny, but I feel like some might be offended by it. I don't know. I feel like people are extra sensitive right now, but it's about the bat that the person ate. And obviously we're not making fun of the man who ate the bat. It's just, if you see the meme, I'll post it in the Facebook group. Oh, phone's going off. Phone's blowing up. Uh, I'll post the meme in the Facebook group because 
it literally, I sent it to about 70 people and we were all laughing at it. Um, also, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Um, uh, what else is going on? I'm having some fun guests up soon. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, I'm kind of just talking shit now. Maybe I should edit this out actually. Nah, fuck it. Um, I did want to recommend to you guys though something that I constantly plug on my Instagram and uh, this might not come as a surprise to a lot of you, uh, but uh, there's this podcast called Matt D'Elia is Confused. Uh, it's fucking great in normal times. He basically like, interviews people that confuse him. Like he got on Caroline Calloway, if you know who that is. Um, he got on an exorcist. It's fucking great. But his podcast, he, for the past eight episodes, has been doing like hour-long rants about coronavirus basically because he lives in L.A., um, and obviously things are a bit more hectic over there and it's, I find it really cathartic. So if any of you are struggling with anxiety specifically related to coronavirus and you want to hear someone basically just say all your thoughts or all my thoughts anyway, and you can learn a bit about how things are in America right now, um, then check that out. I think I might start, um, every episode with a recommendation from now on because, we all want to fill our time doing something. And unfortunately, I don't have all the content in the world. Oh, another thing. Oh, my God, another thing. More exciting, much more exciting than that podcast. It's a silly little podcast. Ignore that. Um, no, don't ignore that. But um, I got a camera. I bought a camera, an expensive camera that I hope I actually use. I am going to record long versions of Tea Tuesdays. I am going to figure out. I don't know how to edit yet. I have filmed one. I don't know how to edit. I need to learn all the software, do all the things. So I'm not going to tell you when it's going to be out because your girl doesn't know. But, um, yeah, that'll be fun. Hopefully that'll be more content for you guys. Um, yeah. Hope you enjoyed this chat with Phoebe. As always, join the podcast group to chat about it. And... Yeah. Phoebe, Phoebe, you're back. You've, re you've returned to the lion's den once again. How are you, darling? I am so fabulous. Probably mm. mostly for the fact that you made me dinner tonight. I did make a dinner. I made you some quesadillas, quesadillas. from HelloFresh. Love you, HelloFresh. And my code Abby80 for any. <laughs> <laughs> but actually do, though, because it's genuinely I'll dream. use it. Do it. Because it's $80 off the first four boxes, I think. So it's good. So cheap. Yeah, it's great. I love it. And it's been really useful during this time. I'm not, this is even like, I tell my all my friends, I'm like, you yeah. get it because I haven't talked about groceries at all. It's a huge saving. It's crazy. All right. So today, Phoebe and I are going to talk about mental health. But as always, to ease us in, we're going to have some Q&As. And the first question is always, what's that. been a lot lately? Okay. I and there are so few things. And of course, and there are so few things that are a lot. It's very chill lately. It's everything's normal. Everything's yeah, completely normal. Life is really underwhelming right now, it if anything. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the Twilight Zone. It doesn't feel like we're in 1984 at all. No. It just feels really chill. Yeah. Really chill. But I actually want to use this opportunity for kind of a positive. So mm -hmm. even though it's been a lot, um, for me personally, 
the house party FaceTime Zoom contact has been a lot. Mm -hmm. And I got very overwhelmed by it on the first day it happened. Um, There was a day last week where I was on a Zoom call to two friends while I was receiving a house party call from another friend while another device was going off from another friend. And I, I was very overwhelmed at the time, but then I stepped back and I was like, wow, you have phenomenal friends and wow. in a period of I have social so I many thought, friends <laughs> and then I sat back and, and I thought and I thought wow I have so many friends and, and then I thought I'd tell all my businesses how many no, friends but in a period of social yeah. isolation no, no, no. it is so important to have to friends be reach surrounded out to you. by your people and then I thought oh my god because then I, I remember I exited the room and I said to my boyfriend I'm so overwhelmed and he said the same thing you did he was like wow it must be so hard <laughs> to have so many friends. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. I'm being a brat. No, you're not being I a brat. I do. I'm it's lucky to have a lot though. of friends. But I think that it is a lot to have all of this social contact with people. But also I think it's more important than ever before to maintain social contact with your people. Yeah, 100%. So I have a friend who, who I was telling up before, um, Simon. Love you, Simon, if you're listening. He's such an angel. But he has been calling me every, like, two or three days, just at like random times. And yep. if I'm like, I'm busy, he's like, right, I'll call you tomorrow, no worries. And I'll call you back tomorrow. But he called me before when you're coming over and he was like, what are you doing, darling? And I was like, just cooking. And he was like, okay, cool. And we have a five minute catch up, Ooh, a five minute catch up that is so like, it's not like very substantial, but it's really like refreshing to have like, how are you? What have you done today? How's work? How are you? Is everything okay with you financially? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And it's like these deep conversations everyone's having that's like, it's very quickly beyond surface level. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, how are you? Yeah, good. What are you doing? Not much. How's work? Do you still have a job? Are you worried? Yep. It's not like, oh, like fucking Susan from accounts did this, isn't yep. this? It's like, it's not the, are you mentally How okay? are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, cool. But it's like a, how are you though? Yeah, it's a, It's genuine. Yeah, it's good. And I'm really glad you said that because there is like, a couple of people in my life that I'm genuinely super worried about right mm. now and I make it and I think I got this from my mom. My mom always said even if you just have time to send a text to that person, maintain daily contact mm-hmm. with someone that you're worried about. Mm-hmm. That's like the most important part. Mm, that's so true. Mm. Yeah. See, I've been I've been really bad. I'm always really bad with the planner texts and DMs and everything. Like I'm the worst. But I've been trying so hard lately that I'm like, if someone messages me, because I hate being ignored, as it, as everyone does. Like, mm-hmm. and particularly right now, it's very hard to be ignored. So I've been trying extra hard to reply to every text that I get, every DM that I get from people that I know. Sorry, not from random people. That's exhausting. But like from every person that I know, I like try to reply and I try to answer phone calls and I try to call people. Like when I think about someone now. I'll call them. Yeah. I would like text him like, how are you? Mm-hmm. LMAO. Like rather than like a meme or like a, yeah. which memes are still great. Obviously the memes are really popping right now. Like meme culture. I love a coronavirus meme. Oh, honestly. Love a like they're actually very funny. Okay. Have, have you seen, have you seen, okay, please help me get it up in the microphone. <laughs> this is fucking oh, hilarious. I love this. Have you seen this? I literally have not laughed this hard. Who did I send it to? Because it's so, it's literally my favorite meme of all time. I think I've watched it. That and the Julia oh, Gillard meme, that Julia Gillard TikTok of I will not be lectured <laughs> about misogyny by this man. Please play. <laughs> the bat who caused COVID 19. What have we done to the world? <laughs> Look what we've done. <laughs> Can you? 
Look what we've done and to the world. Look what, what we've, we've done. done. <laughs> and we're all just in our houses like <laughs> that fucking bat. Yeah. Imagine a bat, a bat with his friends being like, look what we've done, done to the, the Even the bat was Can eaten. Can you imagine being the guy who ate the bat? Well, is it he dead? Oh, yeah, he did die. That's horrible. But horrible for him. And, and it is horrible because everyone's like, that fucking idiot. And I'm like, well, it's just, you know, obviously he wasn't doing it. Obviously it was quite normal for him. But isn't it so ironic that when people are like, one person cannot change the world. Actually. That man's can. One person. That man's was pretty dramatically important. I mean, it's pretty fucked what's happening right now. And the fact that Bat is just going, look at what you've done to the... And also the fact that Bat's regretful is sorry, the funniest is it a, part. Sorry, it's not a, a Bat. It's a... Patagonian is that what it's called? Oh, really? To be honest, I haven't been looking into it because I um, I don't care about the origin. I care about how many fucking cases there are in New yeah. York right now and the fact that it's I more can, than Italy oh, in total. Right? Yeah, New York alone. So anyway, <laughs> everything's fine. Look what we've done to the world. Look what we've done. So regretful. The most regretful bat to ever exist. So upset. And I love bats after Fern Gully. Remember the batty rap? Robin Williams? No. I don't young. remember. Okay. Um, okay. All right, time for some questions for you, some Q&As. And the first one we have for once isn't about relationships or boys or men or... Okay, good, because we probably sex. aren't great at that kind of advice. I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, I currently... Yeah, look, my my plans of, of a new sausage have been ruined by COVID, so really happy about that it's super chill I can't travel anymore it's really chill um all right so the first question that I actually really liked I thought it was really good and really timely is how do you balance between self-care and smashing goals and I feel like this is really important because Mm. in order to smash goals obvs you have to have a certain amount of self-care, right? You have to be able to be mentally stable enough to be able to maintain those goals because you can work, 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 as Riri said. And then... Work, 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 so, um, but I think that like there has to be a certain amount of self-care, but also I think self-care, you know, everyone has this thing of like self-care is like sitting in a bath with a face mask on mm-hmm. and reading a book, which is self-care. Fuck it. If that's what yeah. you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, okay, self-care right now during, during, um, COVID is preparing myself to be able to succeed beyond this. Yes. Like self-care for me is like getting my jungle body qualification done so that I can a be mentally sane enough to keep going through quarantine by doing exercise or having a goal yeah. but also to when we're on the other side of this I'm okay I can earn money in that way or I have a different hobby or I have something else to mm-hmm. do like it's beyond just a space mask I love so that. it's kind of like I think they're like it's going up either way and I think we've been fed this idea through social media of like self-care Sunday and it's me in a robe in my bath which again fuck yeah but also it can be watching Netflix. It can be watching a doco that you really like. I it think can so be too. You was telling me about learning about um, 
attachment theories, which I yes. think is self-care because yeah, you've I always wondered about it. Yeah. So and I you're think there's bettering this... yourself. Exactly. That's what it is. It isn't about treating yourself, but bettering yourself. I think Ooh, that's that was a good. Re- <laughs> that, is, that was great. But I think there is this real like stereotypical like oh, what's it called? A stereotypical fragment of what self-care means. And mm-hmm. people think it is sitting, like you said, in a bathtub with a face mask or writing in a gratitude journal or yeah. Which if that helps you, yes, but that's I feel fine. Like it's kind of but like it, we have to conform. I have to no. conform to that. And I think that me. people are looking maybe to wellness bloggers or celebrities who are who are preaching that things, and that's great if that works for you. But personally, for me, those things don't work. So self care for me, when the gyms were open, my version of self care was not yoga. It was fucking mm-hmm. myself up at air 45 and that made me feel so alive and so mentally acute mm-hmm. that it put me in the best possible mindset mm-hmm. for the day. Yes. But right now my self-care looks very different. Obviously mm-hmm. the gyms are shut and mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time coping with that, which we'll get to I'm sure later. <laughs> yes. But um, right now my self-care has adapted to make sure. So my version of self-care now is probably like a, a, a long walk in the morning by myself mm-hmm. where I'm able to have time alone to recharge to process the day but but that needs to happen for me first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. so I need to get myself into a good state of mind as soon as I wake up yeah otherwise it's a ripple on effect and I can't catch up yeah that idea of not being able to catch up like the thought of me sitting in a bath with a face mask on reading gives me much more anxiety because I'm like what do I have to do? I'm like, what else do I have on? What other email do I have to apply to? What other podcast do I have to yeah. edit? What? And I, because I worked from home for so long, I'm like, what day is it? Have I missed a podcast? Like, I'm like, have I done something wrong? Like, is this, there's always underlying things. So I'd rather do things like, because you can like zone out going for a run with a podcast in be, and because I love being productive. So mm-hmm. I love learning about things, listening to an audiobook while exercising. Yes. Or while cleaning or while driving. Mm-hmm. But you were saying um, before on your podcast um, uh, that you've been enjoying like listening to podcasts and just like listening. Crazy concept for me. A yeah. person who thinks they have ADHD and who mm. literally listens to eight podcasts a day. I like run out. I subscribe to like 12 and I run out every day. That's wild to me. But mm. I think that's only because, like I said to you before, and as a way of background, I am used to, so I, I work three jobs pre-COVID and I'm used to working 70 hours a week and all of a sudden I've been thrust into 20 hours a week. Mm. So in order to keep myself sane, I've had to fill my day still as if I was working 70 hours a week, mm-hmm. which means I'm right. still getting up at the same time, even though I have nowhere to be until <laughs> five hours later. Mm-hmm. For me, I need that. Mm-hmm. I need that routine and stability in my life. So I've had to fill it with like, okay, right now I have two hours scheduled to myself mm-hmm. to go for a walk and listen to a self-development podcast or an audiobook or mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And to be really present instead of just going for a run to a Spotify playlist where I'm mindlessly listening to a work, 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 work. Song that I've heard <laughs> I mean, a thousand work, times. Work, work. Yeah, I'm actually to using that time wisely. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I think I think Smashing goals is self-care. I think maybe you need to kind of – to find the balance, you need to kind of figure out – this is kind of very basic, but what you need from that day. A hundred percent. Like am I anxious today? Do I need to be able to not accumulate anxiety throughout the week? I 
You know what I mean? That's why I think there's a lot to be said about setting daily intentions mm-hmm. instead of maybe, I mean, for me personally, gratitude journaling does not work. <laughs> you're really anti gratitude. Really, you mentioned it four oh times. Oh my God, I'm so anti. <laughs> you're like, it. You're like I don't want to be rude to anyone who gratitude journals, but I'm just saying that it's no, not for but me. But I'm like, I'm jealous if that works for you, but setting an intention for the day. So, for example, mm. my intention for today was to non negotiably. Record a podcast, Mm. get 15,000 steps and, God, there was a third thing. I think it was like call my car loan and tell them I can't afford to pay it anymore because I have no money. Fair. Me. (laughs) Literally me. But I think it's really important, especially if you're all of a sudden thrust into a time where you have Mm -hmm. no purpose, is to before you go to sleep the night before, set an intention for the next day so you have that purpose and kind of like 100% reason to wake well, up. See, see, my therapist, Hayley, haven't seen you in a while. Sorry, babe, miss you because you can't claim um, Medicare I, on tele. And no. I was like, I'm not paying $200 to that sit is on Skype. Woeful. And people say to you, oh, the mental health care, what's it called? The mental what's health care scheme? The health um, a mental health plan. Yeah, yeah. They're like, it's free for 10. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's, it's, no, it's discounted. It's, yeah, but it's not free. And then via Skype, then full price. Mm-hmm. So it's 200 bucks. And I am not, I'm, I do, I go to a therapist because I can finally afford to go at that discounted rate yes. regularly. So I, I have been going before this all happened. But now that it's in full force, I'm like, no, I can't afford, I can afford it. I'm not like scraping my pennies, but I'm like, I don't want to be spending a thousand dollars a month on therapy, and it's difficult when you're doing it via Skype. It's, it's not the just same. not the same. I'd rather just call my friends. To be yeah. honest, I'd rather call someone yeah. or listen to a podcast if mm-hmm. I'm going to sit there and be on technology, which yeah. is the reason why I have anxiety is technology. Exactly. So I'm not going to sit on Skype and be and sit on my phone when she's talking. Like yeah. fuck no. So she before this all happened, I was really anxious about. Like work was like all this um, stuff with, you know, like hang on, people don't say I'm I do for job, work really, but like basically, obviously, being an influencer, like I didn't have a manager, so not having a manager as like an influencer, you like have to negotiate all your own deals, find your own work. Also, having a nine to five my whole life, I've been like, I don't know where my next like pay is coming from. And also, as a young woman, it's very hard to stand your ground and fight for what you're worth. Yes. And when I'm 24 and I'm also like the bitch off The Bachelor, like it's like it's very hard to have, yeah, negotiate for myself as well. And not Mm -hmm. having a manager was was really stressful. And I also had to like, you know, like do – admin life stuff and I also had like ex-boyfriend that I love I was just confused about that this is a few months ago and as well like Bachelor in Paradise was supposed to be coming out and there were all these things and I was just so fucking stressed and I invited off all these things and I also was like sexting someone that I shouldn't be sexting <laughs> and I'm like I, t- I tell her everything because love you Hayley she's like fucking 30 she's a legend but that's what a therapist is for she's amazing and she They're was like sounding bored absolutely but she said what you've said she was like what i want you to do is by next week when i see you what do you what's stressing out the most sounds like work 100 percent. and she's like why and i was like because i have i always have at least 20 unread emails mm-hmm. and 20 doesn't seem like a lot but when you're working for yourself so i'll, rep- I'll, rep- I'll reply to 20 and by the time i'm up to 10 replying to 10 I'll then have 30 in my inbox because people will have replied to me plus there'll be new emails. Mm-hmm. So I currently, I know I have 15 unread emails right now. 
I know that for a fact. But and that's always in the back of your mind. Oh, I know that I have things to reply to right now. Yeah. I have things from seven days ago that I'm like, I know I have to reply mm-hmm. to you, but I don't, now that's been too long, I don't want to open the email. Yeah. And I'm like, hi, sorry for the, the week-long delayed reply while I've been posting Instagram stories, dancing while cooking. Like, I know yeah, you follow me. engagement. Engagement though, guys. But, and she was like, okay, well, by the time I see you next week, I want you, your goal is to have replied to all the emails. Like when you walk in here to have zero emails unread. Mm-hmm. And I was like. That's good. That's, That's a good goal. actually not easy but doable. And I did, and she was like, and if you don't. Achievable. It's okay. She's like, and if you don't, like we can figure out a way that you can achieve another goal another way. Maybe it could be all the unread emails by 5 p.m. the day before you see me or something. But now I think even then, ever since then, every day I'm like, okay, the, and by 5 p.m., even though I don't have like a 9 to 5, I'm like by 5 p.m. today I have to have all my emails at least read or like actioned. Like I'm like, I need to have something done or have a note as to why it wasn't actioned. And ever since I've been moving, it's been so it's been bad again. But having little intentions even for the week, oh, that helped me tremendously. Even like she was like when Todd and I were breaking up, she was like, okay, your goal for this week is to not attempt to talk to Todd. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that, that's your goal. And then I was like, if I can get through this week, and then you get through the week and you're like, okay, it's easier not to talk to Todd. Now we're fine. Obviously this is months ago, but like, you know, like it's little, it's little things where you're like, that seems, it's like bite-sized pieces. That's why I feel like little intentions are more, achievable than having these big benchmark goals and if you set yourself up for those big benchmark goals that you can't achieve straight away I feel like because we live in a in a culture and a world of such instant gratification if you don't have those small things you can achieve instantly Mm -hmm. you're gonna give up altogether so it's like super important to have teeny little goals you can work towards constantly every day yeah and I I, like I've I need to get more into it now that I have an office and I've you know my own place I'm like I need to get into like all I think about now, I get up on Mondays and I check my calendar. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this week I need to do this. Yeah. I don't think about what I have to do in a month because no. it literally will drive me insane. And it, I'm so and it fucking changes, busy. Especially in this, I in this, say it, industry. But this COVID oh, time in this, as well. In this uncertain Things time. Things change literally hourly. So it's like, what's the point in planning something for two weeks time yeah. when we all know that in two days it's going to be different again? Yeah. What's the point? What's the point mm. in me planning an LA trip? You know, what's the point of me going I mean, to you tried. meet someone that I really want to have sex with? <laughs> um, it's super chill. Um, all right. So that was also, are we inspirational speakers? Not really sure. I think we are. <laughs> should we have a podcast? It's just like inspiring words by Abby and Phoebe. I think we should. And just us going, fucking do little things every day. Slide into our DMs if you think we should do that. So let us we have know. Time. <laughs> no, during, ba- oh, Bachelor's not going to happen. Have you heard about it? Obviously, yeah, they stopped filming. Thoughts? Um, probably safe, but like safe for tragic. Yeah, as all well, our, gonna, actually, our like, lives. Though that's a total episode. Safe for tragic. It will. It will. It's going to completely derail Australian culture. So I was talking to someone um, that I know who writes stuff for a living. Like he writes like um, shut up, like uh, movies and stuff this person was saying this person was saying that um they recently sold and as all animation is being pushed forward 
So we're going to see a little more animation now because all when you think about it, it's so true. No one can film. So in like six months when filming is clogged up, there's going to be all this new animation now, which will be really interesting. Because you know what's so wild is like we were were looking for a new series to watch the other night and how funny that like that series Pandemic has just launched. Has it? I didn't see it. Yeah, about I think it was about it's about some kind of flu. I think it was. SARS or bird flu or whatever, but like the timing of its release, they could not have foreseen that it would have been COVID time. It's horrendous. Oh my God. It's yeah. so horrible. I've been li- listening to a lot of Black Plague stuff. Yeah. Tragic. But it's, but it's like a, you're like a moth to the flame. Like mm. you want to know the information, but you're also like, oh, but also I feel like in Australia, because we're doing the right thing, I feel like we're very safe. Like I'm not scared of contracting the virus. I'm not because we're isolating and we're, you know, I'm, I'm, bit worried but I also think um I think I'm just comparing us to America America's fucked fucked like we are also probably gonna be fucked but we're not as fucked as America but yeah basically um I don't think I think Australia I don't want people to be like you're just being too relaxed about it I am literally the least I think if we all just stay inside just stay inside don't freak out that's it the thing is I don't think Australia is being too relaxed about it I think we're actually dealing with it appropriately Mm. like we're actually staying inside and quarantining and doing the right thing and that's why our spray hasn't gone as far no sorry okay next question next question is uh and this is I chose this one because it is to do with as I always do I'm always on theme um, to do that topic. But this one is something that I have dealt with quite a lot with um, ex boyfriend that I love, and you guys often ask why we aren't together. And this is kind of the reason why. So my boyfriend who was depressed just broke up with me out of the blue. I love him so much, and I don't want to lose him, but I don't want to smother him either. What do I do? Oh, that's. That's a really hard one. Mm. So ex-boyfriend that I love and I have broken up uh, in three years of seeing each other on and off. Obviously, I was in The Bachelor. Obviously, we've had we've had other relationships in between. But we've always – I think the longest we've gone without seeing each other, if we don't include Bachelor, like voluntarily not seeing each other, was like a month. And you and the thing is you need to remember that you always come back to each other. Always. Yeah. And, and I I've, love him I've more had than... that with an old boyfriend, not my mm. current boyfriend, but yeah. like an old boyfriend. So I know what that feels like. Yeah. And you're like, I will like, I love him mm-hmm. so much. So my best friend, but he and I would break up. I think we broke up. So officially like seven times. So we haven't been together since la, oh, 2018. No, January, 2019. We've been together since and then we broke up. Um, after a few days of being back together because um, he, again, couldn't do it similar to this. And it was because of his mental health. And I don't want to go into it because it's not right for him. He can talk about it if he wants to come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, he had points of being really depressed and he would want to break up with me. And I never, I never understood it. I was like in my brain because I had anxiety. I've always had anxiety. Yeah. Very like high frequency thinking and very much like, well, if you, if you, if you're sad, why don't you want to be with me so I can fix it? Like, I was like, well, if you're sad, do you want to be around me? Cause I love you. Like I do. And you love me. Like, I know you love me, but that's not how a depressed person thinks. No. Well then your girl got hella depressed, hella depressed. I got so depressed when I was dating Todd and I was fucking suicidal. And I loved Todd 
so much. Like I remember being like, I love this man so much. But when I was the weekend before finale, when I was suicidal, I was pulled over my car and I was sobbing in the car and he tried to call me and I literally was like, I want to break up with him because I don't want him to fucking talk to me right now. And I was getting so irritated. So I understood, but it isn't, isn't anger. It's like, why the fuck do you care about me? It's not like a fuck you. It's like a fuck me. It's like a, why would someone care about me? Like, mm-hmm. why are you trying to contact me right now? Like, And it's almost a something you do out of respect to someone that you love so much and Mm. you're like you deserve so much more than me Mm. and that's why I'm going to self-sabotage and push you away before your weird depressed brain thinks oh they're going to break up with me anyway it's like you're trying to beat them to the punch yeah absolutely and also it's this thing of like I I don't like I didn't want to talk to anyone at all and I kind of felt like apathetic and numb like I was like I just I didn't feel anything towards him and oh almost said his name almost said his name and ex-boyfriend that I love (laughs) um he would always say to me it's not that I don't love you it's that I don't feel anything for you Mm. when I'm depressed and I used to get he was numb and manic mm, and I I used to get like that would hurt me so much and then after I went through it for just a weekend like I was very depressed for just a weekend and I was like, oh, my God, I called ex-boyfriend that I love and I was like, I'm so sorry for ever getting mad at you for this. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I completely understand how you felt because I felt that way. And like you've gone through this like fucking like nine times just in the time we've been together. Like mm-hmm. we've been seeing each other always for three years. Like always, always, always like we're having lunch together or we're like still like calling each other once a week. Like we're Mm -hmm. always at least talking, but like the facts that he went through that, I was like, I didn't want Todd and I loved Todd so much. I was like, I didn't want Todd to even fucking call me. And I was just going to be like, you know what? Actually, I don't want to fucking talk to you. I don't want to deal with you. So that's how I felt when I was depressed and I want to break up with someone. And when it is out of the blue, I feel like it is due to the depression, but if you try and um, force, not force, if you, if you try to be like, but I love you, but I want to take care of you, like it will put that person off the relationship even more. Not because they're like ill and you're being too much. It's because they will feel pressure to be someone that they don't think they are. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm a piece of shit. Don't you see that I'm a piece of shit? Like, why do you think I can be a good boyfriend or girlfriend or partner right now? I'm mm-hmm. a piece of shit. You saying all these things you love me is making me feel pressure to be a better person than I think I am. Mm-hmm. So and therefore I'm going to push you even further and maybe get angry and be snappy and be like, fuck you and try to push you away and fuck you up. Thoughts? Well, I think that you raised a very valid point there because Speaking as someone who has suffered from both depression and anxiety, I know that pushing somebody away is one of the easiest defense mechanisms that you have when you're in a manic down, for example. But I think breaking up with somebody in that state is, it is still what it is. You're still breaking up with someone. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, if I'm in that state, yeah, I'll probably have a fight with my partner, but I wouldn't break up with them. Yeah, so I think you have to be. I mean, I mean, again, it's very, it's personal. But I understand. But see, I like when I was again with the Todd thing. I remember sitting in my car and I was so upset. And the only reason why I didn't was because 
ex-boyfriend that I love, almost hit his name again. Mm -hmm. I remember being like, this must be how he felt, but I knew that he got better afterwards and would always want me back. So therefore you can't do this. Exactly. So I had experience in being on the receiving end of it, but I'm not sure that if, if I hadn't had that experience being on the receiving end, I think I would have broken up with Todd Mm. and you know, we broke up eventually or whatever, but I think they would have been ended. And because we were long distance, I could have just been like, we're down, hang up, block. And exactly. I could have been it forever. And it's almost like it's an easy escape because I still, I still say this, always say this, and it sounds so cliche, but I feel like to know what true heartbreak and what true love is, you need to have experienced it from both sides. Yes. So you need to have both been the heartbreaker and been on the receiving end and had mm-hmm. your heart broken. Yeah. So I think that's what gives you a real 360 degree view of love and relationships. And yes, it fucking sucks being broken up with. And we've all been broken up with and had a heart ripped out and stomped on. But when you think it's because of mental health issues, because yes. you're like, you feel so helpless and you're like, but I love you no matter what. And you feel like, but you don't know what's going on in that person's head. That person could use it an excuse or it could, it pro- it pro- honestly, I would say there's a high chance it is a genuine misunderstanding. Yes. Completely. And, and I think I've been in that feelings. situation because yeah. I, I have identified in myself that when I'm in an extremely depressed or anxious state, I completely close off to my people. Mm-hmm. And from a romantic perspective, in their eyes, it would look like I just don't care about you. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I care about you and love you so much yeah. that I am – I'm so overwhelmed that I'm literally me. going offline. Yeah. I can't done. stay online for this. Mm-hmm. And then when you aren't in that manic state anymore, you come back online and you're like, oh, wow, I fucked that up so much that they're not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so hard, but I think that's why it's so important that in a loving long-term relationship, you need to be so open and transparent mm-hmm. in if you do suffer from mental health issues as so many people do now, you need to be so honest and upfront with that from the start mm-hmm. and you need to let them know about ways you respond to certain things. So, yeah. for example, my partner now knows that if I shut off, that's a huge problem. Yeah. And he's not going to walk away from that because he knows, like, wow, like she's in a really shitty then. state. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, see, if I didn't want to talk to my partner, ex-boyfriend that I love would know that I'm just being cranky. But mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? He, he wouldn't be like, oh, she's really sad. He'd be like, what do I need to do to get her out of that? Exactly. It's the opposite with us, yeah. you know? Like yeah. they need to understand your your tics, I guess. But the thing about if he if he is depressed and he's broken up with you, if let's assume that it genuinely is 100% because he's depressed, which I think it probably is a lot because mm-hmm. if it's out of the blue, it sounds like, you know, it is because mm-hmm. of depression. Um, he's not in a place to give you what you need or himself what he needs in the relationship. So if it is because of this, you need to accept it for what it is. And if he does bounce back and feel better and try to get back with you, don't be like, like, cause I think a lot of your friends, a lot of my friends used to do this. They'd be like, fuck Don't him. give him a second chance. He fucking left you. No, no, no. Be like, is your mental health better? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing a psychologist? What have you done to, you know, not in like an investigation way, but like a, okay, like if you want to go back together, this is this. Because I have a feeling if it is depression, he will want to get back with you. Like if mm-hmm. it was out of the blue because he'll come out of it, he'll have a bad week or two weeks and then he'll come out of it and he'll be like, okay. This is how I function. This is how my exes have functioned that have had depression. 
Again, not a psychologist. No one come for me. I'm just saying this is what <laughs> I expect would happen from my past experience, yeah. my personal and people that I've dated. And I'll go back with you. But don't be like, fuck you. He fucking left me once. Like so many girls, I think a lot of people actually are like, they left me out of the blue. They don't care about me. No, no, no. They care Nothing about you too Nothing happens much. out of the blue. That's the thing. Yeah. Like you, so you turn a blind eye and you're like, oh, yeah, that happened out of the blue. But it didn't happen out of the blue. No. So if he comes back, um, give him, I think give him another chance because he obviously has mental health issues. Oh, 100% agree. But 100%. either way, reach out to him. Like I think if you, you haven't still text, heard from him. Give him a text, give him mm-hmm. a call, but just one or two. Nothing, yep. nothing hectic. Don't, because again, don't put pressure on him. Because yep. if you don't, pressure, turn, don't start boiling bunnies, but just no. <laughs> yeah. reach out and yeah. let him know you're there. Because in that kind of state, depression, anxiety, you do feel very alone and like yeah. no one cares. So, but then when I, when it, it's it's a it's a fine line to cross because it's quite, kind of like when I was depressed, I. If someone messaged me, I would feel so guilty because I was like, I don't want to reply to you. Mm. So if you do one or two or just one missed call and text me like, hey, no pressure, call me if you want to call me in like a week or so. But if it is done, then it's – if it is done forever, then it's done because he can't be with you now and you will find someone else who can be with you. Or it's done because he just didn't want to be with you and he's finding an excuse to break up with you, which is so shitty, which is so shitty. So it's kind of like. But again, I think that comes back to what I said before in that you have to have experienced love and heartbreak from both sides. And girl, I'm telling you, it's not going to be easy. It hurts more than it feels like you're dying. It's like a physical pain. Yeah. No, when my um, ex-boyfriend and I broke up for the first time, I cried for four days Straight. Straight. I, I cried at my death. De- the first oh, boy I loved, yeah. I went to work and I cried for five days, Monday to Friday, straight. Mm. And everyone knew why I was crying. I got my and they were like, office. you have to pull it together. And yeah, I was like, but I can't. I got put into my boss's office. He went on my desk because mm. he was like, abs. I, I was still doing work, but I was just crying. Same. And he was like, I know you're doing work, but we know you had a breakup. So just go and sit. And I was... And we went to get the two weeks later, but I, again, this is the oh, thing. Oh, we do too. I mean, oh, I But then broke up like 10 more times. So literally, And yeah. it's now permanently no. broken up. But see, but see, we, like now, when ex-boyfriend and I, no, ex-boyfriend that I love and I break up, I just go, okay. Like, I'm just like, how long for this time? Yeah, I'm like, bye, love you, have a good night. Like, see ya. Talk to you tomorrow. Two days later, he's like, like, we didn't talk from... We didn't talk from December until January 14th. January 14th is between. So December, December. That's a long time. No, I was going mental. No, I, it was three, four weeks. And I literally was like, like after three weeks, I was twitching and he called me. <laughs> and he's, I answered the phone and he goes, <laughs> we have this voice we put on. And he goes, <laughs> I could not resist. <laughs> He's like, I couldn't resist you anymore. And I was like, miss you. And he's like, yeah. And much normal. But like, I'm, when we stopped talking that last time, I was like, I reckon January 10th will be the date. Then it wasn't January 10th. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, it's January 14th. I call the shots. Yeah. I was like, but I'm so used to our cycle, but that's not to any of this at all. But I just think 
I think leave him be. Give him a few texts. Leave him be. Whatever happens, happens for a reason, as cliche as it is, particularly in this strange, like, lockdown time. Like, use – if you live together – I don't think you do by the sounds of it. Um, use a time to, like, better yourself and self-care as lame Seriously. as that is. But, like, find a hobby that you really like. Yeah. And not, I'm like – I don't mean that in a bitch. I'm like, find a hobby, which I always say to people. I'm like, get a fucking hobby. But, like, genuinely – like it's I true. have found out that I really like painting. Yeah. Like I actually and really you like are so good at it. I mean, not that good, but like I it's it's really fun and it's so relaxing. Yeah. And I have never done art at all. And I really like drawing on my tablet. Like I love doing graphic design stuff. But I've never done like paint painting. And I'm like, I actually like this because I have so much time and because I've been like pretty single for like a little while now. <laughs> um but yeah, just do some shit by yourself. I Any other that. comments? Um, I just think stay in contact and pretty soon you'll know. You'll know why. That's really good. You will know. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, cool. So, Phoebes, I want to talk to you about something because on when we spoke last time about your eating disorder and our like weird habits with eating and all the struggles that came with that and the fact that it rooted in anxiety – um, I had listened to your podcast, um, an episode, what was the name of the episode, you know? Uh, I think it was anxiety and depression. Yeah. Let's change the point. <laughs> this I the- call a spade a spade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, babe. Absolutely. That was honestly though, can I just say that was the scariest episode mm. I've ever recorded, but I did it with my best friend. So it yes, felt she was really amazing. safe. Yeah. Yeah, she was it was really it was a nice I really liked that podcast because it was kind of like what I want this podcast to be and that it was like chatty. Yeah. It was like listening to a friendship conversation. Well, we were literally sitting in my bedroom, yeah, having a chat. It was still scary because there was microphones there, so you're like I know other people are listening. I know this is going to happen, yeah. Yeah. But um you were saying on that you said some really interesting things that I really related to. I texted you being like I'm you crying did. at Jim, I'm laughing at Jim. I, I, but I love that. That's the purpose yeah. of these conversations. Yeah, cuz I cuz I've I've struggled with anxiety like I guess like undiagnosed probably since I was like fucking 17. Mm. 16, 17. But then I had really bad anxiety when I was first dating ex-boyfriend that I love and then um, because of all the breakups and all the emotional fucked up shit with that, it kind of like a reared its ugly head. And then I um, had like a, I mean, I know, I I think it counts as a suicide attempt. I know I like went to jump off the story bridge but then I called an ambulance myself um, in October of 2018. I don't know if people know that actually. But like because I was just like, done ski lol um and lol self-deflection being like I was just done ski LMAO yeah classic classic but like I've really struggled with it and the things that you were saying and then ever since then it's been up and down up and down like obviously I felt like I was pretty good before filming Bachelor then it went bad during filming then depression happened during airing and I'm kind of almost back to say if I was like a like a say I was like an eight before filming Bachelor I'm probably almost like a six now. Um, but I felt like the things you said were very apt. and I could relate to a lot of them. So I kind of just wanted this to be like, again, Phoebe and I aren't doctors. We aren't psychologists. We aren't trying to like tell you guys how to deal with your mental health or what everyone's experience is like because our experiences, I was saying to you before, are same, same, but mm-hmm. different. Yeah. 
and um, they manifest in different ways and they come from different things and that's the thing with mental health. It's so fluid and it's so easily changed. But um, I just want to have like a little chat about it because even me hearing your podcast or having like a conversational chat with your friend was so helpful to me. I'm so glad to hear that. It was growl. And that's the point. Like I heard a, a quote once that someone said is that your words are another woman's wounds. Mm. And that to me has always struck so true because mm. I'm like, you think you're alone in the shit that you're going through. And even though, yes, you might be alone to a degree, there's always someone else who's gone through a very similar thing to 100%. you. So by talking about it, you're kind of normalizing something that you think is so stigmatized. And and when you when you it's actually so surprising that when you open up about these things, like I remember the morning that episode went live, I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And then within the first, I think, hour it was live, 40 messages in my inbox on Mm -hmm. Instagram being like, I am so, I'm going to the GP now. I'm so grateful for you, blah, blah. blah." Mm -hmm. So I think there's just so much power in authenticity and conversation. And putting yourself out there a little bit, like it is like scary. It's scary for like you to speak about these things like you were saying. It's scary for me to speak about these things as well. But I feel like it's worth it putting yourself out there just a little bit being like because a lot of the things that I've been so anxious and scared about my whole life have been because I don't think anyone else is going through it. Mm -hmm. But then when I hear podcasts like yours and like – like Esther Perel, her couple's Someone Perel sent is, me my hers God, today. She's incredible. She's oh my God. My friend Carla literally sent me today and said, Esther Perel is my God. Did Listen to this. Esther Perel literally is my ultimate podcast today. guest. I would I, I'm I would pay a lot of money to have her on the podcast. I love her. I think she's she's Let's incredible. I'm gonna make I'm gonna try and make it. That's my goal for 2025 is to have Esther Perel. She's amazing. But like listening to those podcasts, you you're like, oh fuck. Like I'm also it's yeah. this kind of thing of like, and this for me this is comforting. For others it may not be, but I'm like oh, I'm not that special. That's it. <laughs> I'm like there's a lot of but, people that are going through the same shit that I'm going through, and, and, and even, they get through it. That's it. And even through this whole COVID stand down job loss thing, I'm like, hey, it's not you, it's majority. Mm-hmm. Like I know more people who've lost their jobs than people who haven't lost their job. Yeah, it's rare So I'm like, not. there is actually a lot of comfort in knowing that we're all going through this together and mm. that no one's going to let you starve, no one's going to let you default on your loans, no, no one's going to let you be homeless. So it's kind of this beautiful camaraderie thing. Worst case, you and your boyfriend move in to my spare bedroom. That's it. No, and we share our rent and we're all balling. <laughs> But, Which we've already done together. We already had a, a sleepover, the three oh of us. God, I was, no, that was beyond fucked. So after we recorded <laughs> the last episode with Phoebe, so by the eating disorders, we I had love a Phoebe. few wines. We had a few wines. We had We don't handle our wine very well. Yeah, we don't. Um I have a bottle of wine. I've almost had a bottle of wine. Actually, I've had like three glasses and I'm pretty tipsy. Yeah. And a bottle of wine for me is going out. Yeah. It's like I'm lit. But um, fuck, what are we saying? So originally what I was meant to say was I want to be like a chit-chat. I want to be like a what was your experience? We can compare experiences because I've been through this as well. And I think it's important for people who um, have public platforms such as we do um, to talk about things that maybe are taboo and maybe are hard to talk about. And I, the amount of times I've listened to podcasts and driven and cried are just mm. ridiculous. 
So I kind of want to talk to you because you have a really interesting journey to figuring out. I guess it wasn't really figuring out that you had anxiety or was it? Would you describe it that way? You was. describe it. Yeah, you it kind of was amazing. because my symptoms manifested physically and mm. Well, they manifested, I guess, emotionally first, but I pushed them to the side as I think so many people do and you pass them off as stress or busyness. I'm just, I'm just or, stressed. I'm yeah. just stressed. Um, and I think also what, what I'm super passionate about is people use the word anxiety so frivolously now. So if you're having a stressful day at work, someone will say, I've got anxiety about this report. No, honey, you don't have anxiety about that report. You're stressed about that report. And that report might be giving you anxious feelings, but anxiety is 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 full-blown and so much more than that. So I think that a lot of the reason why people might not be clinically diagnosed with anxiety or depression or just kind of throw those things to the side is because the word is so commonly misused Uh uh-huh like if I say I had an anxiety attack people don't understand that means I literally felt like I was gonna die and I was catatonic yeah people think that like I've had anxious nights where I've sat in bed and I I physically cannot move Mm -hmm. I'm on my phone I can scroll but I'm not taking anything in and I physically cannot move and I'm having a panic attack internally and then I have to take a Valium to sleep and that's my entire night from 5 p.m for whatever reason. And while a report at work can give you anxiety, if you have an anxiety disorder, it can trigger it. Being nervous about getting something in on time is simply it's stress. Normal. And, that's and normal. the language around it is important yeah. to be able to, to define whether or not because it does it does kind of negate people's experiences that have anxiety and saying like, Oh, you're feeling a bit anxious, are you? Mm. It's like no, like, I have anxiety. I'm, yeah. I I have to pay a lot of money to go see a psychologist mm-hmm. to deal with this and I was on medication and didn't work and I'm freaking <laughs> out. So it. now I'm off medication and probably I'm like, ah. That's it. And I think that you need a certain level of stress in your life or your job to be able to make your deadlines and to be able to actually achieve your work because stress is actually a, a normal thing and mm-hmm. stress, if you can deal with it, is fine. But mine was a lot more more than that in that it was super physical. I was put in hospital. I was covered in psoriasis. I lost you had my no, period. You had no idea why it was happening as well, no. which is the most interesting. And I was misdiagnosed for about seven months by every kind of doctor, naturopath, medical physician well, you could even negate. I want to talk about this as well because um, a lot of doctors still – um, ones that I've encountered anyway, there are some that are, there are a lot that are great. I shouldn't say some, but there are some doctors, um, particularly ones that are bulk billed. Cause when I was working in a hospital job, I would always get bulk billed. Like mm. I can't afford to pay for a doctor. I know. Um, they kind of just either will say if you're having symptoms, like if you're like when I had anxiety, this is probably two months before I tried to kill myself. I went to a doctor and I was like, I'm having panic attacks at work. Like my first panic attack I was at I was working in hospo and I was working in um the cafe. I was closing up and I remember this so vividly and I literally just couldn't breathe suddenly. And I think I I think I was I was used to work like 70 hours a week in this bar. Like it was mm. crazy. And I don't know what I was it wasn't even and this is the thing as well. Anxiety can come when you're not anxious. It's like what are you anxious about? I have a mental health issue. Yeah. I have a chemical imbalance in that I get anxious for no reason. So my first panic attack, I couldn't breathe. 
and my boss had to like carry me up the stairs because I literally, I thought that I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought, and my best friend Georgie came up the stairs and she has a degree in psychology and she calmed me down completely. And this is, I think, when we became really, really, really close. And we drove to the park and we just spoke for like New Farm Park and we just spoke in the car for like two hours and I calmed down finally and I was like, what the fuck was that? So I went to a GP like the next week and I was like, I had this thing. It was a panic attack. Like I'm not. Like, again, I listened to a lot of podcasts. Like, I was like, I think it was a panic attack. I've Googled this. Like, my sister's had one before. Um, I would like to go see a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And he was like, um, no, you don't need that. And I was like, no, I, I do need a mental health plan. I really I really would need one right now. And I was like, no, what I'm going to do instead is give you Valium. So he – this is insane. So he gave me <sighs> – 50 and Valium is actually very hard to get. Like Valium, if you go in and ask Valium, they won't give it to you. Well, so I was really sick in Melbourne two two weeks ago and I had a panic attack because I thought I had coronavirus because this was when it was just starting to get bad. I didn't think that I had it, but I was vomiting and I was so ill that I was like, I'm either going to have to go to a hospital where I can be exposed to coronavirus or I could have something really bad right now because I've had the flu before and it almost fucking killed me. I was in hospital for it. But so I tried to get Valium during that and the doctor was like even though I was vomiting and clearly I was like give me one Valium please and I'm not an addict I just I'm gonna not I'm not gonna make it through the night if Mm. I don't have a Valium and he was like I'm so sorry I can't give me something else instead anyway so this doctor was like here's 50 Valium (coughs) so I had a whole bottle of Valium um and I was just taking those and then two weeks later or three weeks later I, so I'd begged this doctor for a psychologist because I was like, I know that I don't want Valium. I'm not the type of person that wants to take drugs to fix things. Not that it's a bad thing, but not as a first step. And I had the Valium and I was having probably two a day Mm. just to like function. And then I drank like a flask of vodka when I was like 20. How was I? 23. And then I like was so depressed and anxious. Well, I was depressed because I was anxious when sober and depressed when drinking. Mm. So then I walked to the story bridge and I was like, yeah, cool. I'm going to jump off. And then I saw a little lifeline sign and I was like, okay, final call lifeline. And I was so drunk. I was so fucking drunk. Like I can't mm. explain drunk I was. I've never been drunk before or after because I, that was, I will never get that drunk again because I'm scared of being that drunk. Mm. And um, with Valium, like two Valium plus a flask of vodka mm. for a 23-year-old girl who usually has three wines. Like I was – I'm such a lightweight. And I called <clears> – and I called Lifeline. They called an ambulance and then I got in the ambulance, went to the hospital. But have you ever gone to hospital for mental health? Anxiety, yeah. Yeah. They do – I don't know what they did in your – you can tell your thing after this, but I literally walked in and they took all my things from me and then sat me in a chair for 12 hours, didn't let me sleep, didn't let me brush my teeth, and then were like, okay, you can go now. It's yeah, been 12 hours. It's like a watch house. And I was like, okay. Um, I, I would be – I'm actually – you're actually deteriorating my mental health right now. You haven't given me any medication. You haven't given me anything. I'm freezing cold sitting in – it was winter – sitting in a hospital on a chair in a concrete room – I have nothing. I can't sleep in here. What the fuck is going on here? And they're like, okay, we'll call you in two days to check that you've been a psychologist. And I was like, I tried to go to a psychologist two weeks ago mm-hmm. and look what's happened. So um, I think a lot of doctors 
pass things off when it comes to mental health as not that bad. When in my experience, my worst health issues have been mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Sorry, continue with your story. I just wanted to have a little caveat no, about doctors. I, I think it's completely true. And same thing for me. I'm, I have been used to living a very stressful life and I've always since a very young age worked three jobs um, and I had people used to always just say, oh, you're so stressed and I would say it to myself, like, I'm stressed, like I don't sleep a lot, I have a lot of responsibility, a lot of jobs, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I probably passed it off as stress for about, God, maybe two years. Mm-hmm. And Which then, is a long time for it to be compounded. It's a long time, yeah. But it wasn't super bad then. But then I think because I compounded it for so long, my physical started, sorry, my symptoms started to arise as physical. So I had these and I'd suffered from hectic stomach issues. Now I can say for about nine years mm-hmm. and they'd always been so undiagnosed. But they were, they were that bad and the physical evidence was that bad that like I've got a very naturally flat stomach. Um, my stomach was distended like I was eight months pregnant. I would have these horrific stabbing pains in my stomach. Um, I would barely eat and still look really like yep. eight months pregnant, um, excruciating pain. What else was there? That was that was what it was for about four months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long time to go. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. I went to GPs, uh, naturopaths, gastroenterologists, surgeons. Mm-hmm. I went to emergency one night because my stomach was so bad and I hadn't actually physically eaten anything that whole day. Um, and they passed it off as constipation and gave me laxatives. That was did you shit anything out? No, and so that you was had nothing. In and there. that was one of the worst, probably one of my lowest points because I literally remember my mum took me to the emergency room, and I remember lying in that hospital bed, and I turned to mum and I was like, "No one believes me." No, and she and I was sobbing, and and as a mother, seeing that to your child, and she was like. I know you're not making it up. I have a very high pain threshold. So mm-hmm. I wasn't, it wasn't in my head, but there was physically nothing. I mean, aside from the bloat and stuff, like they'd done every test imaginable. Uh, there was nothing physically like wrong. tangibly wrong. But that was more frustrating. I'd spent You'd want to know over more. five grand in medical bills trying to get some kind of diagnosis. Yeah. And some people were like, oh, you've got IBS, you've got... Um, leaky gut. You've got this. You've got that. So I then spent more money so the on like for that. Yep. So and I spent more money on like supplements and medications mm-hmm. and herbs and this and that. Nothing. And I'd been to the, my my GP had said to me months before, I think you have anxiety, and I was like, fuck off, mate. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I have like hectic physical symptoms. This is not anxiety. Like, I'm not stressed. I'm, there's something physically wrong with me. And then after I think seven months of like every kind of doctor's appointment, mm. you can imagine, mm. emergency room visits, overnight trips to the hospital, you name it, I'd done mm. it. Um, I finally went back to the GP after I'd had this massive enlightening moment, sorry, from out of everyone, my eyebrow lady 
who was studying nursing. Our eyebrow ladies, no, they know they do. everything. They My do. eyebrow lady messaged me today being like, I miss you so much. Yep. And I'm like, I genuinely miss mm-hmm. her so much. And because you see them once every three weeks, they actually For know. For an hour. And you're lying your exactly. Closed. And they know you so well. Yeah. And she, she also happened to be a friend at the same time. So mm-hmm. I saw her outside of appointments as well. And she is a nurse and she was studying at the time mental health. And unbeknownst to me, she'd given me a little K10 test, which is what you actually have, sorry, um, when you go to get diagnosed. And I'd had one before because of the whole hinder sort of thing. So I knew what a K10 test was. Um, And she said to me, would you ever consider medication for anxiety? And I was like, bitch, (laughs) what are you talking about? Mm. I don't have anxiety. And she's like, well, I know you think you don't, but... I think you do. Like I've just subliminally given you this mental health Mm -hmm. test and I think that you should go see your GP and I was so mad at her at the time. Well, you know what's confronting about those tests, whether or not, is when you, so when I always do mine, I always get like severely anxious. Same. And I got like off the chart. Yeah. Like, like perfect score. And then I always get, it's like, what is it? It's like very severely anxious and then I get severely depressed. Yeah. And I'm like, but this is my normal. This is how I've always felt. Exactly. I'm like, and you're like, no, no, no. And then, then I don't know if you saying, but I always think with those tests, maybe I miss diagnosing myself. Maybe, maybe if, when they say how anxious are you, like often, sometimes, or mm-hmm. rarely, I'm just being dramatic. And I'm like, no, but I do often feel like well, that's I the can't thing. concentrate. Exactly. I do often I know. feel like this. I do. I do always feel like I can't. I, I can feel my own heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I do always feel like that. Yeah. And you feel like, holy shit, I've had a pretty severe mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Since I was like a aware and aware human. But that's the, that's it's the fucking scary crazy. thing to it's me fu- is yeah, that I think so like, many people go undiagnosed with it and they don't seek the help that they so desperately need. Mm-hmm. And I think the only reason that I took it so seriously is because I had these physical symptoms and by this point – I had lost my period for three months. My whole body was covered in psoriasis, like all over my face, all down my arms, all over my hands. I had this distended stomach that was like so in pain. Um, I cried 24-7. And I know that I'm a crier. Like I cry when I get emotional. I cry at all times. Yeah, but crying all day, every day, not normal. I like lost a sack of weight, like – my my symptoms were so probably more physical than they were emotional by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finally, after this, <laughs> went back to my GP and he was like, what can I do for you? And I just lost it. And I was like, I need your help so badly. I think I'm anxious or depressed, but I don't know what to do about it. Mm. And he is such a fucking sweetheart. He wheeled his little chair. I will never forget this moment. He wheeled his little office works chair over to me, put his hand on my leg, and he was like, I have been waiting for you to come back and tell me this for six months because he told me that six months ago. And I was like, you're fucked. You're a liar. But that's what it was. And he was like, and because obviously he knew about all the, the new symptoms, and he was like, I don't take this lightly. And he's like, but you need to be medicated. Mm. And 
that is not something I ever wanted to do because for me personally, like the pill even fucked me up. Like I have been on the pill for periods of my life, but no more than like three months at a time because it really the pill affects me. me. Physically. Yeah. I'm, I'm not on the pill. Same. I'm on the pill for about two no, years. No, and now. I've never been like any kind of, I tried everything, Depot, Implanon, Implanon everything. My little they school. all fucked me up. Yeah. So I'm like that kind like medication just tends to not agree with me. So mm-hmm. I've always been very hesitant to it. But by this point I was like, I will take anything that will make me fucking feel better because I even, I was never suicidal as such, but I remember at one point I did have a thought that was like, if I died right now, who the fuck would care? Mm. And that is not a normal thought pattern to have. So no. I was like, I know that I need intervention and medication at this point and it took me I trialed about I think three different kinds of medication before I found the one that I'm still on now but it's scary and I medication. take it every it's it's terribly because scary they tell you you're gonna get worse before you get better and you do on medication and you, and you do, do and then you're like mm-hmm. fuck no but finally I found one that does not fuck with me and it actually helps me but but the scary thing is it does take that trial and error and it took a good probably just over four months Mm -hmm. of that kind of trial and error and I'm not saying that medication is for everybody but I'm saying the best thing that I ever did was acknowledge the fact that finally I had a mental health problem and I think that Still to this day, even though it's still so talked about, there is still so much stigma that surrounds mental health. And it's like you must be bipolar or schizophrenic. Or- but even if you are bipolar or schizophrenic, is it when people are like someone that I love very dearly has bipolar and around Brisbane people say, oh, my God, they're fucking crazy. They have bipolar. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. You think they want to have bipolar? You think they want to be depressed and manic? Are you fucking kidding? Like all people that, you know, talk about other people that are like, she must be like schizophrenic. And it's like, yeah, the poor thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the poor fucking thing. The poor thing. Because yep. she's she's going through a really hard time. Like people don't understand that like no one wants to be this fucking way. And it's, it's the hardest thing because you also, it is your mind playing tricks on yourself. But you're like, I get as well in my head. I'm like, am I just being dramatic? Mm-hmm. But you like with your physical symptoms, you're like, maybe you were like, this is my last option with the medication. Like, well, I think because it helps as well though, because you're like, I know what it is. I am grateful for it because as painful and severe as it was, I think that you can only ignore your emotional cues for a certain period of time. And Mm -hmm. your body is very, very intelligent and it, we don't give it enough credit, Mm -hmm. but if you ignore something long enough, your body will show it to you in physical symptoms Mm-hmm. And that's different for everyone. Like I know someone who had the same thing I went through, but he got alopecia and lost all of his hair. And that was his physical symptom yep. that he needed to go and get his shit sorted. You know what yep. I mean? Like it, it materializes in people in very different ways. I always lose so much weight. I went down to a size six um, when I was, it was around, yeah, it would have been around the time that I was, after I tried to commit suicide, I went down to a size six and, not like a like like a small size six. I'm like like my bone structure shouldn't be a size six. Like I'm five foot four, but I have like wide hips. Mm. 
I shouldn't be able to fit into a size, a, a size six shouldn't be for me. My friend Seisha, love you Seish, who was like, t- like she's, I think she's like five foot and she's like so tiny. Like I call her my little friend. Like I'm like my little friend Seish and my little friend Ali, who are my little gorgeous little friends. And they're, they're teeny tiny. They're both like size five feet. Like they, they're fucking tiny yeah. and like so short. And Seisha borrowed my shorts the other day from when I was severely anxious. And I was like, Seisha, like Seisha's thigh is as thick as my arm. Like she's fucking tiny. tiny. She's just physically built that way. And I'm like, how the fuck did I ever fit those fucking shorts? Like mm-hmm. not in a good way in like a, I was severely unwell. And then I got a memory up on my phone the other day because it would have been around October. It must have been around this time two or three years ago. I was really bad and I got like a memory on my phone being like, mm-hmm. this day three, two years ago and I was like, Jesus Damn, fuck. girl. Jesus fuck. Like you could see my fucking rib cage through my chest. You could see everything. But I wasn't not eating. I was eating normal amount. I, maybe, maybe a little bit less. But I wasn't – I would feel sick and I would vomit a lot um, because – because that was your body's response. Yeah. And even after Bachelor, Christabel, even still, Christabel is like a little bit, I I know, like we talk about it a lot that I vomit after almost every meal that I, for a little while there, I vomit after every meal that I ate when Todd and I were breaking up and not, not from purposefully. And I was like, is it a food allergy? Allergy? Is it a food allergy? Is it a food intolerance? Or is it? And then when I heard your podcast, I was like, maybe it's just that my anxiety was heightened then, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't have to worry about it. Um, because I, I was like, I it was only for a short period of time that I would vomit after almost every meal. I would have one beer, and we go to dinner, Chris and I, on like a weekday when I was in Sydney visiting her, a beer, and we'd have like a Palmer, like it, like like heavy food, but. I always no, have Palmer's. I always yeah. have Palmer's. It's only when I have like creamy pasta and I'm hungover. Mm-hmm. And I would vomit all night. But then I, when I finished vomiting, when it was at my body, I'd be like, hey, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. It so, wasn't like a, you You didn't have food poisoning or you weren't gastroing. It was just like your body was like, whoa. Yeah, we'd go to breakfast and I would have avocado and toast vomit. We'd go to dinner, I would have um, a salad and salmon vomit. I it, And it was after everything. It's like I can't handle you eating. Um so it does manifest in a really physical way, but sometimes people don't recognize it. And that's why I also wanted you to talk about this because mm. like you were saying, a lot of people, including me, even after going through anxiety and depression, trying medication, having a suicide attempt, all these things, as as recent as December, no, no, sorry, November, I was vomiting after eating, being like, it must be a food allergy. Mm-hmm. And then after your podcast and after my anxiety calmed down and everything, but it's not that, not the case anymore. And I kind of realized that when I was at gym listening to your podcast, I was like, fuck, it probably was just that I was anxious and probably really fucking sad. I and, get things down. And, you know, I think that's one of the worst things about anxiety and depression is that you think you have it under control, but it's unfortunately and I might get a lot of hate for saying this, but I don't think it's ever going to go away from you. So mm-hmm. if you are predispositioned to that kind of, it's a disease. Like mm-hmm. point blank, it's a disease. And I don't think you can ever completely get rid of it. You can manage it. That's why mm-hmm. they call it a management strategy program. You can't cure it. Um, you just need to be really 
meticulous about what your triggers are and how you manage it, but it's always going to still manifest in periods of your life. And I know, mm. for example, right now, there's COVID bullshit nonsense. It's not nonsense because it's real. But, but it's fucked. But it's fucked. It is fucked. It is. But my anxiety what has been super done high to the world. What have we done to the world? <laughs> But mine has been super heightened lately and I can see really self-destructive patterns coming back to myself that I have to be like, whoa, Phoebe. But I I think I I can recognise them now and I can slow them down. Mm -hmm. I can't stop them from happening because I'm not fucking Wonder Woman. But but I can recognise those mm -hmm. patterns and the triggers Mm -hmm. and find little manoeuvres to help me keep... A management strategy. A management strategy, that's it. And I know that like a really important thing I think right now is that while a lot of people can't physically get to their therapist, if you need to see a psychologist, one of my best friends, for example, is a psychologist and she cannot physically see her clients but she's taking them all via Skype or via phone Mm -hmm. because it's still so important right now to be in contact with yeah help if you need help yeah see we were saying that in early in the episode that like it isn't the same it isn't the same but the thing is I go to a therapist as kind of like a now it's like a top up yes I I can completely cope alone and I've got strategies from her even just from the short time I've been seeing her that have helped me but if you're in dire need you can speak to a therapist on the phone and it will be helpful it's just that for me I'm like I'm pretty okay but maybe if it, if this thing goes for if we're locked down for another six months seasons, i will 100 percent do a me too call because i know that i need that every couple of months uh-huh. at least and the thing i prefer is, to do it more often but i need it every well exactly and i and i said last week in an episode i'm not currently seeing a therapist but my thing right now is trying to explain to my partner why i am the way i am and that's a very hard thing to explain but m- my friend helped me again give me the kind of words that I need to give to him to be like, hey, I'm not crazy, mm-hmm. but this is how I'm feeling and I can't help it. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people also, when you suffer from anxiety or depression, you go to that automatic self deprecation where you're like, hey, I'm a crazy bitch. But you have to be like, no, no, you're not a crazy bitch. Your brain is literally just programmed a little bit differently to most people's brains i'm sorry i'm being crazy no no it's okay like it's fine like and if someone loves you like which people around you do love you they'll be like you're not like you're not being crazy and it actually makes them feel probably more worried if they're like i'm it's fine i'm being crazy i mean it's fine but like i think it's i think it is really great and that i think in our generation it's being it's not perfect but it's much more open like for example oh i say to my friends now and everyone kind of like People kind of laugh at me when I say this or they get very like, oh, I couldn't do that. At my old job, um, actually at both the places that I used to work before, Bachelor, Dream Bachelor and After Bachelor before I quit and became a um, full-time whatever the fuck I'm doing now, um, I would regularly – not regularly, I would – no, not regularly. I would – on more than one occasion at both jobs, I had a mental health day. Mm. where I would – because I told my bosses, I told my boss when I tried to commit suicide, the same one that I was with before from 2018 until just before The Bachelor. Um, I told him when that happened and they were very supportive because I was like, I can't come to work. I was in hospital on the weekend, <laughs> tried to kill myself. And that was all great. 
not great. That was a great response from them. Um, but after that I could be like, Hey, I'm feeling really anxious today. I don't want to come into work. Mm. And then after that, my boss beyond that was incredible. Like I love him. Like he was the best boss I've ever had, particularly in being in property. Um, and he was kind of, he, my first day was the first date of the ad airing for the bachelor. So he copped the start to the end of the bachelor and then everything died down. I was like, I'm quitting now. Like I was like, thanks for the ride. But, um, he, I would text him being like, Hey, I'm super, I'm really suicidal today. And he would just go text me when you can come back in. I'm like, great. And I tell my friends this who work for quite like quote unquote progressive work environments or like, I know, I think, I think it's, equally as reasonable if not more reasonable to say I can't work today because I have a mental health issue because how the fuck am I supposed to be productive sitting at work crying at my desk or not being able to physically function like I get I get very uh I don't say catatonic that's very extreme but I want to I get very like tensed up that makes sense I I cannot move I cannot move I literally then I'm like when I get anxious Mm -hmm. and people at my work in property in a male-dominated industry that's very old school, mm. very old school, would go, absolutely, don't come in today or call me, I'll call you tomorrow and I'll see mm-hmm. how you're feeling or I'll, I'll email you and see how you're feeling. Yeah, 50-year-old men who are right-wing. But these people who are in progressive work environments are scared to say or cannot say, I just don't feel well today. And I think it's important to take a mental health day. I do too. I would think more so than a sick day. I've taken sickies. What I've felt, seven out of ten, could go to work. Probably best to work from home. The issue would be getting into the workplace and spreading the, you know, if you have the flu, if the cold or something. But mental health days, for me, if I'm calling it a mental health day, I am am unable to work. Mm -hmm. Unable to. And even if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed in general at work, it's also okay to take a mental health day. And I think that that kind of needs to be more normalised. And all these workplaces as well, like, are you okay, Dana? But they don't implement. Oh, they don't implement do it. Whereas not my workplace did. get me started uh, on are you okay, Dana? Um, because my work did some – I don't even want to get into where I work. But, like, it was so surface level and, and it infuriated yeah. the f- – fuck out of me that it was this morning tea where everyone was wearing yellow gathered around this table full of homemade cupcakes and tea cakes and lamingtons and stuff but no one was speaking to each other and I was like we are deflecting the entire purpose of this day which is to have an honest conversation with each other Uh like hey how are you Stacey from accounts hey actually not great my husband's just left me and I have a mortgage to pay by myself cupcake great (laughs) <laughs> Cupcake Stace. Stace UK. Got a homemade croissant here, Stace. Oh, but that's going to be $4 Jenny's made for you. <laughs> $4 though, babe. And we've actually got a speech by oh, the CEO. Was, no, when the CEO comes and speaks, I'm like, bro, uh, you earn $4 no, million dollars a year, bro. We didn't have anyone speak at ours. And that is what grinded me the most. It was just forced an, interaction an with morning day. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, we're actually at an hour and a half. We've been talking for, I thought it, no, I know. I'm going to. Cut it. We're unwell. I won't we cut always it. say this. We're unwell. No, I, we this are, is actually we are a really unwell. important conversation. But no, like, I won't cut it at all. I think it's great, and I think people right now have time to listen to it. Yeah. But um, so is there anything else you want to say? Are there any tips you have, people? Are there anything you want people to do mental health? Because I think it is. I think as well. Oh God, tangent again. But I think because you and I speak about it quite openly. Well, you in a very public platform on your podcast mm. and me on my Instagram. 
and with my friends as well, it's quite normal. I think we're both in very like supportive friendship groups, yeah. very like left wing, very like progressive, very like. But I think that we know how lucky we are yes. to be in that position, whereas not everyone is. Well, I didn't realize and I didn't really co- comprehend that until I was on The Bachelor Neither. when I have girls jamming me being like, thank you so much for saying that you had a bad day today. And I'm Same. like, what? Like that's and you like take fucking it, normal right? my life. Like, and you take it for granted because yeah. I was still, I think by that point, a hundred and or sorry, like probably by that point, sorry, like 97 episodes in, I had 2 million downloads or something ridiculous. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to say this. And then onslaught of people. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you, I don't realize, I guess, how lucky. And I can say, probably say it's we are to have the support system that we have. But mm-hmm. I guess the one thing I want people to know is, if they don't feel like they have a supportive group of friends or a family they can talk to people about, mm. message us. Message somebody that mm. you feel like you can talk to it about who'll understand yeah. and get it off your chest. Yeah, because. 100%. But also I think people think, I think people have this thing of my friends wouldn't care, wouldn't understand because no one in there, it's kind of like you have to be the vanguard. You yep. have to be the first person to Say broach the subject and be like, guys, I'm actually not well. Because when my friends and I, when my friends like found out that I tried to commit suicide, it was this whole thing of like, obviously support and they love me, but it was also like, yeah, dude, I felt like that before as well. Mm-hmm. And all my girlfriends and I now, I could call any of my girlfriends. Like I have like probably like seven or eight really, really close friends I call him and be like, hey, I've had suicidal thoughts today. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, what do I need to do? Check it. Yeah. Fucking what's That's up? like I have my one friend who's been in, down a very similar path to me and that like if you've heard my previous episode with Abby, you'll you'll have heard all about my eating disorder. Mm. We got, got treated for the same eating disorder at the same clinic wow. but a few years apart. Oh, wow. So we go to each other a lot and we have a very self-deprecating sense of humour mm. but we can say that stuff to each other. And like right now I'm terribly worried about her because she's not in a great state mm. because of COVID. She's a small business owner, her, whatever. Um, so I make an effort now every single day to make some kind of contact with her mm. in whatever way I can get through to her, which for us is humour. Yeah. Self-deprecating humor. Yeah. So I feel like you don't shy away from that yeah. and just reach out to people that you can reach out to. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, that's that's it. I think as well it's hard to go like, you know, how are you? Oh yeah, good. And then but to be like, yeah, but like how are you though? Ellen? But it, I'm it, good it, it, is such a non-responsive response. I know. So like I say, like Chris Bell the other day was a little bit sad. She hurt her ankle while walking and I was a little bit worried about it because she was, she's by herself in Sydney and this isolation thing obviously means that I can't go and visit her and she can't come to Brisbane yeah. and she, mm-hmm. so Mr. And I was like, hey, how are you? And she was like, good. Because we just talk constantly all day, every day. So it was like, like a random out of the day. How I, then I was like, no, but seriously, I was like, no, but seriously, how are you plus? Like, it was like yeah. kind of kidding. And she's like, oh, and I face I'm her. on the verge. And yeah. then, yeah. And then it becomes, so it's okay to start off as a joke. It doesn't have to be like a, are you doing okay? Because that's also like, shut, I'm like shut up. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I was suicidal, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. See, my mum told me that. She always said, make sure you check in on the people that you even have an inkling that you're worried about. Yeah. And I have always, that's always been something that's stuck with me. Yeah. And I do that. Even if it's just a text or a meme or some small kind of communication, 
it's so important to to that person to let them know there's other people thinking about them. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, well, Phoebe, thanks so much for coming on. This has been an hour and a half. We could talk for literally hours about this. I've been literally. like, there was so much. I didn't have a plan for this. I was just like, let's just do like comparison stories. Um, you're amazing. Can you please tell everybody your details of your podcast? My podcast is Confessions of a Trainwreck. You can find me on um, Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. And your Instagram is Phoebe ACP. No, I always think it's Phoebe Cap. Because, That's what, even yeah. my boyfriend calls me Phoebe Akp. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, my name is Phoebe and Christina Parsons. Yes. So it's Phoebe ACP. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I always think it's Phoebe Cap. When she first DM'd me, I was like, who the, <laughs> Phoebe? And because I knew her sister and I was like, what's going on? Um, anyway, you're amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your journey. You're incredible. Thank you um, for giving me dinner. Oh, what have we done to the world? What have we done to the world? <laughs> 